You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Rob, how are you? I'm there? doing all right this morning, Gary. How about yourself? It's great to see you. You too. Once Look, again, here we are. Hey, how was your uh, Fourth of July weekend? It was good. What can I say? I, I ended up going down to Mystic, Connecticut, oh, and uh, had a great there. time down on the water there, walking around and enjoying the sights and everything else going on. And it was patriotic and it was fun. So, did definitely... you go on the fourth or? Yes, yeah. yes. I was there for a few days and actually left on the afternoon of the fourth. So, where'd you eat? Oh, gotta hit the S and P Oyster House. Yeah, of yeah, course, yeah, of course. Of course. Um, the, one of my favorite spots actually for dessert is the Mystic Brit Drawbridge ice cream shop. I go there that every time. That place is phenomenal. And the line is I always mean, out the door. Uh, yes. I went though at 11 a.m. So it wasn't oh. too bad. It wasn't too bad. You Some go with, morning ice cream. Yes. There, huh? Had to before I left. Well, of course. So yeah, that was great. Um, I mean, there's so many great places to see and eat over there. So I got to head back. We're already planning the next trip for sure. I've been down there twice already and, and we're only here in, in early to mid July and I, I, I'm hoping a couple of more times before, before the summer's over and every time I hit that ice cream you got to oh, you got to without a doubt it's good to see you um, get a little sun too. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Look, look a it little, was uh, it was nice weather, so enjoyed some time outside. And it good. was funny because while I was down there, I was enjoying it so much, and I was you know on my phone looking up properties and like asking the the tour operator for the boat I was on. How much are these condos and things like that? Everything is more expensive. Down of course, on you're on the water. Yeah, from ice cream to purchasing a condo yes. or a home. You could take that same condo or home and put it in Newington, and the price changes dramatically. Of course. It's a, I mean, pr- it's a price to pay to live on that shoreline. Anywhere in the country, when you're ocean view or waterfront or anything along those lines, it's going to push up the prices significantly. But even if the house isn't like on the water, if it's a little more inland, but it's still in Mystic or Stonington, because that's right. very nice yep. as well. Yep. Um, even if it's inland a little bit, where you're, you know, you're, you're not looking out your that water in your backyard i mean it's still just to be in the town it is it's gonna be more i mean you pay in real estate it's all about location right so even the the bad homes that are decrepit or need a lot of work or aren't (laughs) in another market wouldn't be hot commodities down there they sell for a nice pretty penny and that's what i actually wanted to dive into today was you know the process of buying the first home the blueprint to Mm. buy your first home and getting prepared to buy your first home because there's so many out there right now thinking did i miss the boat and i still want to do this this year how do I get prepared and am I ready? All right. So you obviously need to have a a blueprint or a plan, if you will, for buying your first home. So if somebody is looking to buy their first home, what is the initial step they need to take in order to get things going? Well, the first thing that you want to be looking at and considering is, is the property going to be your primary home? Is it going to be a vacation home or is it going to be purely an investment property? So in our discussion today, I really want to focus in on primary homes because the majority of people buying their first home, 
It's usually recommended that you buy a primary home. You need somewhere to live. Why pay rent when you could be paying a mortgage and building equity? So that's what we're going to dive into. Um, what you don't want to do is you don't just want to go online and start looking at houses. That's what a lot of people do when they're thinking about purchasing a home. They go onto Google and they start putting in like buying a home in Boston or buying a home in Hartford. And then they want to go through like Zillow, Realtor.com, different sites, and they just start dreaming. What is what is it going to be like to live in this beautiful home? They left out the most important part, which is getting qualified, getting pre-approved to buy that property. So the initial step to get things going is going to be to talk to a lender, to get fully pre-approved. And if you're not ready yet or don't have the qualifications to be pre-approved immediately, then we need to put that game plan together, that blueprint for you to get your finances in order so that you can ultimately get that mortgage in the future, whether it be maybe a couple of months or for some people, it could take a year or more if they have a lot of hurdles to overcome. How long before getting a mortgage, though, should someone start, you know, this blueprint preparation? So generally speaking, if you don't have a previous experience dealing with a lender, if you're unsure about your credit and where your qualifications are, you really want to sit down and meet with a lender a minimum of six months ahead of time, oh. ideally 12 months ahead before you wow. think you're ready. And the reason is because a lot of the items that we're going to be looking at during the pre-approval process and the qualification of getting you a mortgage these are going to be items that don't just get fixed overnight. So what I'm talking about is like your credit. If you have an issue with your credit and you need to build that and get to a level where you can get approved, sure, there are circumstances where it could take maybe a month or two, but in most cases, credit is something that takes time to build or rebuild. So you could be looking at three to six months to get your credit from, say, a 570 to a 630 or 640. Again, it's not going to happen overnight in most cases. Also, if you have down payment challenges, you're not really sure how much money you need or you're just starting with a very small amount for a down payment and, and closing fund, it might take you quite a bit to save up what you need, depending on your price range and your circumstance. Um, I've had people come up with the money within a, a couple of months. Maybe they have retirement or gifts they can get from family and it can come together quickly. But if you're someone doing it all on your own with a, an ordinary job, just saving $1 at a time out of your income, it could take several months, even years to save up the amount that you'll need for a minimum down payment. Again, depending on the area you're looking in, the price range you're looking in, that sort of thing. And if you have income challenges like self-employed, a lot of self-employed that are looking to buy homes that they haven't had their tax returns analyzed before, or they aren't aware of some of the different mortgages that are available that use bank statements for uh, qualifying income. And again, that could take some time to get together. There may be some questions, concerns on tax returns and things that need to get sorted out or amended. It can take time. It can take a lot of time in some cases. So best case scenario, you go six to 12 months ahead and you're told you qualify right away, get out there and get rolling. And that's a good position to be in. But worst case scenario, you might find out that you are six to 12 or even longer months away from actually being ready to buy that home. And you want to find that out earlier rather than later, because the last thing you want is to have your family and everyone ready to go shopping for a home and find out that you can't get the home. If you have this preparation done, the, the earlier, the better it is. I've had clients even come to me 
two or more years before they're ready because they don't know where to start. They don't know, where's my credit? I saw this online, right. but I'm not sure how that translates to a mortgage lender. I have 15,000 saved, but I'm not sure if that's enough for the $400,000 house that I'm looking to buy. Um, so all those items really come into play. And as a lender, we'll put that blueprint together. We'll tell you where you need to be and how to get there. Then it's up to you to do the work. If I think my credit isn't good, though, or let's say I don't have enough money to buy a home, should I still talk to a lender? Absolutely. I would say the lower you think your credit is and the worse off you think you are when it comes to a down payment, the more enticed you should be to talk to a lender, the earlier hmm. you should talk to a lender. I've actually had people come to me in the last several months that thought their credit was 600. And then when I ran it, they were 638. Um, I've also had the opposite where someone will tell me, oh yeah, my credit, I'm a 684. That's my credit score I saw. And I'm like, okay, that works. And then we go and run a credit report on them, a tri-merge report from all three bureaus. And we find that using the mortgage credit scoring model, their actual real mid FICO score that's used by lenders is only 618 or something that's a lot lower than they thought. Again, you want to know that earlier rather than later. So one of the things that I do with people People that tell me up front, I have a super low credit score and I know I'm not ready to buy, but I need to know where I'm at. I'll do something called a soft pull on their credit. It's not for everyone, but one of my credit vendors does allow us to do a soft pull, which just shows us like a transcript of the actual credit report. It gives us most of the information on the credit report, but not everything that's needed to run like underwriting and um, automated systems and things like that. But it at least gives us number one, their credit scores, their accurate full mortgage credit scores from all three credit bureaus. And it shows us what's on the contents of their credit report. So their balances, their delinquency history, their payment history and whatnot. So I can look at that and say, you need to pay this card down. You need to pay that card down. These collections need to be uh, deleted off of there. And we can really give you like a very specific plan of action on what needs to be done without harming your credit. The reason why a soft pull is so enticing when you do have lower credit is because one objective a lot of people have when they have a credit score that is building is I don't want anyone to run my credit. Like if anyone runs it, I'm screwed. It's going to lower my credit score and I just don't want anyone running it. The reason people have that idea is because of inquiries on your credit. And we're taught if you have an inquiry on your credit, it's going to lower the score. But doing a soft pull, there is no inquiry done. Hmm. So it's very, it's a very good tool that we have as lenders and not all, actually most lenders don't even have the ability to do a soft pull. So you want to ask up front because they're all going to just default to doing a hard run on your credit. I see no point of that. If you tell me my credit is 508, there's no point in us doing a full tri-merge hard inquiry on your credit because you're nowhere near qualifying. If we do a soft pull and we see, wow, your credit's a lot higher than we thought, we can easily convert that to a full credit inquiry and issue a full pre-approval, but it's really a great tool to have, especially when you have the lower credit. So the farther out that you are from being ready to buy, the earlier that you want to be talking to that lender and also getting them documents and planning that long-term strategy to get everything in order that's needed. Could you take just a few minutes, maybe discuss the timeline on the pre-approval process? 
Right. So there's a, a stigma out there about the pre-approval process that I hear from people. Maybe they've heard horror stories from somebody uh, or been through the process with like a local bank or credit union where maybe they weren't hands on with that pre-approval and the timeline was extended and it was a major pain. So I want to speak here for my personal uh, company and our reputation when it comes to getting pre-approvals done very, very quickly and accurately. So once your credit and down payment are in order, and based on at least a verbal conversation, we've determined that you're a good fit to be able to get a mortgage. We run the credit report, as I was mentioning. We get everything in order with your documents. And once your documents are received, then we're going to be able to review those and validate the information that you gave us initially, either over the phone or online. I'm talking about things like your identity, just your name. That may seem like no big deal, but I've had people tell me their name is, you know, Butch Smith. And then when I get their actual license, they have a different name on there. Well, mortgages are legal instruments and we have to go off your legal name. So the easiest way is to go off the license and what's on your license. So we have to verify your identity from that. We have to double check the income that you gave. Maybe you said you made 70,000. And when we look at your pay stubs, you actually made 68000 That may not seem like a big deal, but in the world of mortgage processing and underwriting, it's a huge deal because that could mean the difference between you getting approved for the house of your dreams and not. We want to know that up front before you get too far in. Also, your assets. Where's the money coming from that you're using to buy the home? Is it a gift from family? Is it from retirement? Is it from savings, money market, investments? We need to know where that money's coming from Number one, so we can source it and see where you have those funds. But number two, so we can make sure that there's no red flags on your bank statements or investment accounts with money coming in that's questionable, that sort of thing. Underwriters will pick up on that very quickly and it could kill your deal. So as part of the pre-approval process, we do that up front. So as far as that timeline, for us, it's a couple of days. You get me your documents on a Tuesday Typically, 24, 48 hours, we'll have those reviewed. And if all is good, we'll be able to issue that pre-approval. And then the timeline that the pre-approval is good for, again, all lenders are different. But for us, it's 120 days from the date of that hard inquiry on your credit. So when I issue the pre-approvals, I'll explain to my buyers and their agents exactly when that pre-approval expires. So we're all on the same page. And when we get close to that expiration, we'll reconvene and Talk about renewing the pre-approval if you're still in the market. You would mention documents. Um, what, what are the documents that should generally be prepared, let's say, ahead of time? Right. So there are specific documents that you want to be ready for, because when we ask for them, you really want to get those over in a timely fashion, meaning within 24, 48 hours, ideally. The documents I'm talking about are going to be your identity documents, so driver's license or any sort of government photo ID. It can't be expired. Uh, I've been seeing it a lot lately where people let their license expiration go due to COVID and things, and now they're trying to get a mortgage and whatnot and having issues. So make sure you have a valid, non-expired government ID. And if you're not a U.S. citizen, that's fine. There's plenty of loan programs for you, but we have to have your green card, your employment authorization, something to show that you're in the country legally. Um, so that's very, very important. And same thing, it can't be expired. We have to know that it's current on the date of your uh, closing. So those are the identity documents. The next thing is going to be income documentation. So if you're a W-2 employee with a normal job, we're talking about pay stubs, W-2s. 
two months of your bank statements um, for your assets. If you're divorced, we need a copy of your divorce decree or separation agreement if that's applicable. And then we also are going to need the statements for not only your bank account, but all of the accounts that you're going to be using for your closing. And if it applies to you, if you have reserves, um, which are going to be like extra money after closing, I'm talking about retirement funds. Usually those come out as a quarterly statement. So whatever the most recent quarterly statement is, that's the statement you're going to want to get to your lender. That quarterly statement will show several months on one statement. Um, for investment accounts, we're generally going to be looking at the last 60 days of statements, depending on the loan program. It could be as little as 30 days, but be prepared with 60 days of statements uh, on those asset accounts. Um, if you're self-employed, the documentation can be a little bit different and a bit more extensive. So if you're self-employed or you have a high rate of commission where you're getting a great portion of your income from commission, be prepared with two years of your federal income tax returns. We don't need your state returns. Those you can set aside, but we need two years of your full tax returns. If you have rental properties, there'll be a schedule on there. Um, if you don't, then just your regular tax returns with any applicable schedules. If you're self-employed, you'll have a schedule that outlines your profit and loss for the business and whatnot. And um, also be prepared as a self-employed borrower to have a profit and loss statement, like a year-to-date statement of what you've made for the year and your expenses and your net profit. Not for all loan programs, but for many that is being requested uh, recently. So I know it's a laundry list <laughs> of things, but it's something that is very important. And at the point of pre-qualifying and discussing your scenario, we'll be able to give you an exact checklist on exactly what you need. What are the... What are the places that someone to, to find the best lender for their needs? Right. So a lender for your needs is going to be a specific thing because everybody's different, right? So people ask, well, where am I supposed to find that great lender? How do I know the difference between one lender or another? And if you already have a connection with a realtor, that's a great place to start. You want to get a referral from a realtor that's worked with somebody before, that knows that they're experienced, that they've got credibility in the industry, and that they've had a track record of getting deals closed properly and, uh, you know, with the least hassle and stress available. Many homebuyers and realtors will tell you one of the biggest issues they have during the process is communication with their lender and just getting feedback as things progress through the process. So a realtor that's in the trenches is a great place to start. I would say just as good or sometimes even a better place to be looking is online reviews. So I'm talking about Google reviews, Facebook, Yelp. Um, I mean, it's easy to get a couple reviews online. So what you really want to look for when you're uh, ac actually looking at the online reviews and researching lenders online is you want to look for the lenders that are head and shoulders above the rest. So what you'll see is a lot have two reviews, five reviews, 10 reviews, 20 reviews. That's great. Those are all great lenders. Look for the lender, though, that has 50 reviews, 100 reviews, 150. In my case, we just hit over 200 five-star reviews. Wow. That, that's there for a reason because we want to be head and shoulders above the rest. We want to make it completely clear and evident to anybody out there looking that we are the top lender in the area. And the way that we do that is by showcasing hundreds and hundreds of five-star reviews. So it's not even a question of who's the best lender you know, for your needs, you can go look at the reviews, read through them, 
Do they resonate with you? Are they dealing with a first-time home buyer? Are they dealing with a first-time investor? Whatever you are, so you know they've got the experience, then you know you're in good hands. Mm. Hundreds and hundreds of reviews online, especially five-star, they don't come by accident. They come by many, many years of diligent work and diligent uh, experience and good experience that people have. That's why they leave the five-star reviews online. The last one I'll say as a potential option of where to find the best lender is a referral from friends or family. So if you've had someone that's gone through the home buying or refinancing process, maybe in the last year, uh, you can ask them about who did you use for your lender? How did they treat you? What was your experience with them? So from all these different uh, different sectors that we're talking about, you can maybe find one or two lenders that resonate and really narrow it down. Then you're going to want to talk to and interview couple lenders to find out who's going to be best for you, the communication style, how they speak with you, what their process is, because everyone's different. And then you can hone in and actually pick that lender that's going to be the one you're going to work with. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show in the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Um, we, but by the way, towards the end of the show, uh, uh, Rob, Rob's going to tell you how you can obtain a free copy. It's an e-copy of his a book that he authored. It's entitled Mortgage Strategies for the New Millennium, Using Your Home Loan as a Financial Tune. Again, it's written, it's authored by the, the very person that you are listening to right now, and that's uh, Rob Weinberg. But we'll, we'll get into that uh, in a few minutes. What red flags, uh, Rob, would, would someone look for on a mortgage company or whoever their loan officer is? Right. So, when we're talking about researching loan officers and mortgage companies and trying to figure out exactly who you're going to use, it's always nice to see positive experiences, but what are the red flags? What are the negatives that you should really be looking for to make sure that the one you choose is actually validated right. and you're not going to have to backtrack? So the first thing is you want to look up their NMLS ID. So what NMLS stands for is National Mortgage Licensing System. So the website you're going to use for that is nmlsconsumeraccess.org. And you're going to go on that website and you're going to plug in the ID number of the loan officer that you are looking to work with. Every loan officer that's licensed, and you have to be licensed, mm -hmm. so if you don't have that, then you're breaking the law. But every loan officer is going to have an individual unique ID number that's tied to them. And that ID number is tied to them in all, all the different states they do business in. And that's why this is called the National Mortgage Licensing System, because it encompasses the whole country. Um, so what you're going to do is plug that in with their ID number, and it's going to show you their licensing. Where are they licensed? Are they licensed in the state that you're looking to do business in? Of course, they need to be. So that's red flag number one. If they're not licensed, it'll show you any sanctions against them, like any issues that they've had legally or with their license being revoked, fraud issues, that sort of thing. It'll show that right there in the National Mortgage Licensing System. Of course, you want somebody with a crystal clean record. You don't want any issues. You don't want any uh, orders from the state or the Department of Banking with anything with the license, because that can definitely be a big red flag. Can I switch lenders after starting the process? You definitely can switch lenders, but it's really frowned upon for sure. You don't want to do that, which is why it's so important to make sure that your lender has the experience. Make sure that they've been doing it a long time too, for sure. But 
in those cases with lenders not communicating and they're not really doing a good job, yeah. you sometimes do need to switch. I was going to ask you, I, you kind of went into it maybe, uh, I, what are the reasons that somebody would start switching a lender? I would say the number one reason is either your loan gets denied after they pre-approved you. You might want to look at a second option at that point. You have no choice. <laughs> um, but the more common one is unresponsiveness. So you get pre-approved by someone and then they take off on vacation or you can't reach anyone. You're trying to get updates. You're trying to get this. You're trying to get that. And there's nothing. You're just getting dead air. Nobody's hearing from them. You know, emailing, texting, calling. There's nothing going on. If that's happening early in the process, then that's a good indication. This is someone that is probably not going to hold up through the process for everyone. And that's going to mean a negative, you know, a big negative thing for the seller on the property. Yeah. They don't want to deal with a lender that's unresponsive where it's going to fall through because then they're going to need to take that property back, put it back on the market and start over with somebody else. So that's why I get so many calls from these listing agents that say, hey, Rob, I've got a pre-approval here for Joe Smith and it's from you know June 29th. Can you tell me a little bit more about your experience with them? And how do I know that you're the right lender for my seller to sell this to your buyer? Because we're vetting you as the lender just as as much as we're vetting the offer, we need to make sure that if we accept this offer, we know it's going to be smooth. In real estate, so many issues can come up. And just knowing that those are going to come up and that the lender is going to be on top of it and communicating and getting things done with you, that gives them that peace of mind that they can say, I know that this lender is going to come through and I know they have a good reputation. And that's what you need in this in this market for sure. I Like, like you said, it doesn't happen too often and it's frowned upon. But if it has to happen... You know, you don't want anybody too lackadaisical uh, as well. All right. So I, I mentioned a little while ago, you authored a book. You are truly an expert on this. It's entitled Mortgage Strategies for the New Millennium, Using Your Home Loan as a Financial Tool. Okay. So uh, people can obtain an ebook version of this free. How can they yes. do that? So we do sell the book on Amazon. You're more than welcome to go on there, look it up and buy it. It sells for $24.95 for the hard copy version and $19.95 for the ebook version. But today for all of our faithful listeners and loyal listeners, for the first five that email, I'm going to give away a free copy of the ebook. We'll shoot it right over to you on your email. What you're going to want to do is send an email to Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. Again, Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. In that subject line, put free ebook. And then in the body of the email, just give me your name, your address, your phone number, and whether you own a home already or not. That's all we want to know. Name, address, phone number, and whether you own a home or not. Shoot that over. We will then go ahead and send out within 24 hours to you a free copy. It is a full version of the book, the same one you'd pay for 20 bucks on Amazon, you can get absolutely free, but it's only for those first uh, respondents here. So if it's something you'd right. like, get it in right away. <laughs> Call, I would say email right now. Email immediately, yeah, because I know wait. from uh, doing previous giveaways, this stuff fills up really, really quickly, and I'd love to get you a copy. We talk about everything from first-time home buying to reverse mortgages to VA loans and everything in between, and I'm sure it'll resonate and give you some good advice, some good education. Once again, that email address is mortgagemattersradioshow at gmail.com. Uh, by the way, if you'd like to make uh, an appointment with, uh, with Rob, that's very easy to do. He'd love to hear from you. I would say uh, give him a call instantly. Um, 860-413-3938. Let me repeat that for you and I'll slow it down a bit. I want you to write it down. 
Call him immediately. He'd love to hear from you. He wants to get to know you. 860-413-3938. By the way, you can also poke around on the website. Uh, You might have some of your questions answered, or maybe it'll spark some new ones that you haven't even thought of. It's www.robgw.com. Again, robgw.com. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Until next time, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.